This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic, 23. Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and we are back with another fun podcast with another guest covering a bunch of new topics. So, of course, we got into Game 4 and everything that transpired in that game from officiating to Jokic's struggles to Jamal Murray's greatness to everything else in between. So not only did we get to that, and I keep saying we because I brought on Brendan Vote of DNVR Sports to also talk about what this series has meant and the playoffs as a whole to the Denver Nuggets fan base. If you don't know who DNVR is, DNVR Sports is a local company in Colorado that covers all of the sports that happen in this state. What's cool about what they do, though, is they're not just you know covering the sports. They have created a community for their um, for all of the fans of these different sports teams and for all of their subscribers that follow what they do. So to be able to get a better gauge on where this Nuggets fan base is currently at, considering everything that has happened, I figured who could be better to bring on then really the community ambassador in Brendan Vote. So he came on, we discussed the game, and then we got into more of those fan topics, which I thought was a really enjoyable part of the conversation. So you're going to hear about him coming up very, very soon. Go follow him at Brendan Vote on Twitter. Go follow at DNVR underscore Nuggets and DNVR underscore Sports. They do great, great work. This podcast is also brought to you by Indeed as well as BetOnline.ag. So make sure you go check them out. You're going to hear more about Indeed here in a second. And you're going to hear about BetOnline after my conversation with Brendan Vote. So definitely take the time to go check those people out. They are keeping this podcast going, which is been so awesome to have and also make sure you go check out dnvr they also have a bar in denver on york and colfax if you feel safe enough to be able to go spend time in a bar that has every covid restriction being adhered to so with all of that being said we're going to take our first quick break tell you about indeed and on the other end you will have you will hear my conversation with brendan vote of dnvr sports Even though sports have had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. There are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast and the Blue Wire podcast network a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply and the offer is valid through September 30th. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, and I'm so happy to bring in good friend Brendan Vote. Brendan, I miss being drunk with you. How are you, my friend? Return of the pick and pod. Only I Return think we're going to go longer than 20. Yeah, man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing well, dude. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's 2020, so we've all – Maisie, I don't know if you can It's okay. It. Dog-friendly podcast here. I actually had Pete Zayas, a Lakers film room on last podcast, and his dog was nice going flex. off in the background too, cool. so – yeah, well, you can expect me to break down the Nuggets film room much better than Pete. Uh, no, twenty twenty's been good, man. I, I mean, it's not been good. I, sh- I should. You're I should surviving clarify. it. That's good. I'm surviving it, it, and this Nuggets run has been good. It's been good for me. Uh, good for people around me in this city and virtually online. Um, really, dude, one of my favorite runs I've ever. Like, I'm a Cardinals fan and a Giants fan, so boo me as you will. But, <laughs> like, I've seen four championships as a true fan of a team. This yeah. is my favorite sports team, man. Like, I've never really seen a team like this in any sport. Well, so, let's start there for a second. The antithesis of the Nuggets against everything the NBA stands for. Like, this yeah, is kind yeah. of what makes this so much fun is that this is all homegrown. Like, they beat a Clippers team that was built by, you know, literally buying players and free agency eight months ago. And now the Lakers, who got LeBron James and got whoever else they wanted afterwards. So And just, the Jazz, who they built for them as well. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Literally, Denver that's built right, that yeah. team, which is funny. There's some, like, real 4D chess happening there where Denver built the team that they can always beat. Like, that's kind of hysterical, <laughs> but regardless of that point, Denver is the was one of the only teams I can remember in basketball who not only built their own team, but is not going into these matchups worrying about what the other team is doing. Normally, when you're mm. your homegrown talent, you have the chemistry to adjust and try and play the style in the matchup. That has not been the case. Denver's like, we're going to try and be the best version of ourselves, regardless whatever the hell you think you elite teams are doing, and it's working. Miami's done that a bit in the Eastern yes. Conference as well, haven't they? And Jimmy Butler sort of sort of pointed out that they play the right way. Um, I, yeah, man, I think actually Jimmy's quote when asked specifically about Giannis guarding him was, um, you know, everyone talks about adjustments in the playoffs, but you don't want – you want to focus on what you do well. Mm-hmm. You want to focus on what you've done well all year. And ideally, you can still do that and get back to it in the playoffs. Um, other teams are going to try to take you out of that, but – I mean, look, I'm, I'm biased, obviously. Like, my Nuggets fandom bleeds into my coverage. But watching that Clippers series, that Jazz series, and even, dude, at times in this one, I found myself more concerned with, like, what are the Nuggets going to do? Because they're good enough, right? If they adjust, yeah, uh, they're good enough to hang. And, and so, it's for me, it was, it was never about what the Clippers are going to do or going to do next. It was, can the Nuggets stay out of their own way? Because they, they can run with these guys. 
By the way, there's more similarities to the Heat Nuggets comparison than meets the eye. Like the high post ability of having Bam Adebayo or Nikola Jokic. I mm. honestly think Michael Malone and Eric Spolstra are very similar as coaches. When I talked to Jonathan Jarks on this podcast about the Nuggets on a macro scale, we I, I asked him, you know, how many coaches do you know of that have gone from development, culture setting coaches to actually contending for title? Because it's so rare. And the one that came to his mind was Eric Spolstra, and they're both grinders. So I actually think there might be more to that. But again, like this makes it all so much more fun for Nuggets fans because they can rally around a team that they have watched grow together for five years. Like you've covered this team basically since their inception. What has it been like for you being this close to the team and seeing them grow in the way that they have? It's really cool, man. It's hard. Like one of the things I appreciate my job about my job at DNVR is we are allowed to sort of like root for these guys. And I, at this point, I don't know how I would not. You know, like having no, I don't know these guys personally, but being around them, being in the same room of them at times, watching them grow um, from dudes who are just trying to figure out how to like get consistent, how to stay out of their own way, how to maybe make it to the playoffs um, to guys that have told us all year, we're good enough to win a title and we're right. So, (laughs) um, you know, it's been really, really cool watching a group that was like almost too young to know any better. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've really noticed, man, it's like Michael Malone is so essential to whatever this culture is. Like these, these guys like playing for him. And for a lot of them, he's the only coach they have played for. And so for two, three years now, we've heard the core of this group say, we want to play together. We want to play for each other. That's the kind of thing that sounds like a bunch of nothing. Um, yeah. But here you are two, three, one comebacks later and you see it. No, that's not, that's not nothing. That's this team's identity and it's sort of what allows them to add up to something even greater than the sum of their parts at times. And so credit to the players for allowing that, that culture to foster. But I think Michael Malone, man, is the architect of, of that specific thing. And I think what's so interesting about this is that so often the idea of chemistry in the playoffs is overblown. Like these are, this is a talent driven league when it's five on five and you just having the more talented team in the postseason almost always just gets you to the next level. This has been such a unique NBA experience of watching a team like the Nuggets have so much chemistry in contrast to these built in free agency teams that it actually has given them a very true advantageous edge that hasn't necessarily existed very much in the playoffs. Like I can't remember a team other than like the Spurs teams, which are always the exception to the rule who have been able to have this kind of continuity, have this kind of an impact. And that's why they beat the Clippers, right? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to do this revisionist history thing of the Clippers were bums. The Clippers weren't built for this strong disagree. Those were the odds on they title were, they favorites. They were genuinely at the built for um, this. For this, but they were not built for, oh, we're sliding. That 3-1 lead is gone. Oh, it's yep. game seven. Um, because that stuff is either, do you have MJ? Do you have LeBron? Or does your team play for each other? And I really think, I mean, the Nuggets are talented as hell. That's not to like take anything away from them. But they beat the Clippers because they were built for that, for the comeback and, and for playing basketball, I, I think, from a, a place of emotion. And I think you're right about Michael Malone. I think that this culture, it won't fall apart without him, but you're removing an essential cog of what makes this foundation work as a culture. And if you, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it just, that instantly puts pressure on whoever the leaders are in this yes. locker room, which is sort of a fluid thing. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, And I think right now it might be Jamal Murray. Well, Will Barton, Will Barton not being there. there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, 
But if my point is this, if Malone's not there, the onus is instantly on whoever the veterans of that locker room are <laughs> to keep whatever that culture is alive. Because it's, it's not the identity of a young upstart team. Like it's the identity of a championship caliber team. And the longer they can hold on to it, I think the more dangerous they'll become. Pieces will come and go starting this summer. But I do think this core group understands how far that approach has gotten. For sure. We're going to get more into this team building and how great the Nuggets are and all the fan base portion of this in a second. Let's quickly talk about the game because the game itself was interesting. Uh, Nuggets lose 114-108 to the Lakers in game four to fall behind. Big surprise, 3-1 deficit once again. Huh. And put all <laughs> jokes that have already been said out there. But... What was your initial takeaway? Did Denver play well enough to win this? What were some things that concerned you? What was it that happened in this game from your point of view? Yeah, I wasn't so concerned with the refereeing, you know. I mean, every every team does what the Lakers did. They just don't it doesn't become like a public leak that we all talk about. It's not the postseason um, very often either. Like it always is right, a bigger conversation sure. in the Western Conference. Finals. I will say this. If you send a complaint, there's a big story about it, and then the next night that player's free throws jump to 14, like it's gonna be a story whether it should or yeah. shouldn't have been. But I don't think I think the Nuggets lost that game because they didn't play just well enough to win it. Um rebound, offensive rebounding, yeah. second 25 second chance points. So it's a six-point game. We can talk about the foul calls if you'd like. I would like to talk about the defensive rebound. Yeah, because... I already yelled with Matt Moore too much last night about officiating. Let's just get into the root to the rebound. Yeah, I mean, that's just sort of how I feel. Like, we we get that it's a factor, but I also thought in games two or three, the whistle went Denver's way. So, it, it, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think they lost that game because the Lakers had 25-second chance point. Um, Paul Millsap gets hurt early, and Malone went small, which I thought was weird against the Lakers' big lineup. Then when he did go with uh, Plumlee later in the game, the Lakers were traditional with Markeith Morris at the four. So I thought the timing was flipped there. Um, if you go back and you look the first quarter, Denver's out-rebounded by, I think, five. And I think that's because for a large part of the quarter, Torrey Craig was on the floor alongside Grant. Um, and, and so, like, how, look, Howard's dedicated to, to keeping Jokic <laughs> off the boards if you Overly want to use that dedicated. word. So it's like other people have to. And so I think going small in that, in that spot um, set, set off, set them off for the wrong tone in the first half. And not only that, Anthony Davis went just completely ballistic. The second yeah, Paul sap was out like Tory Craig did nothing to slow down Anthony Davis in this game. And it's not like his role. Like he ended up switching onto LeBron. And it was Jeremy Grant who was also getting cooked. But again, like if you're going to play Tory Craig, please, for the love of God, find a way to get one stop. And they got none. So like, when know, you do that, you get nothing from him. Like, I'll be the first one. I was big on this. Michael Porter Jr. should have been the guy off the bench immediately when Paul Millsap got his foul trouble. That should have been the immediate decision by Malone sure. to be able to match up with that Lakers team. But yeah, Torrey Craig cooked them in that. Like, there was no chance of Denver being able to win that first quarter when Torrey Craig and was playing the way he was. He's such a high-variance defender, man, because I his agree. floor is actually pretty low. He's a very yeah. mistake-prone player. Um and there's a lot of types of matchups he's not well suited for. He can have elite performances against those smaller guards that mm -hmm. Denver, especially when Gary's injured, has really no other options. Um, but that does that mean he's an elite defender? I would just say no because he's so mistake prone. And so when you get into a matchup like this one, you are looking at it and you're saying, man, like Torrey Craig, awesome story. Thanks for all you've done. But I don't know what your role in this series is. And Go, so you either go with MPJ or that's when you go with Plumlee, in my opinion. Not that the Plumlee minutes were great, 
but you know <laughs> just because of the rebound and yes. like they just were never if rebounding is the concern which every media member and coaching staff member has said you know on either team why are you going small why are you going small in that situation yeah and we'll never be able to answer that. But the other thing that has to happen in the rebounding is Jokic has to care more. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Going back and watching game four again, like, I watched every single offensive rebound, like, six times because I'm writing a story on it today about it. And my God, man, like, he just didn't put a body on Dwight. Like, how do you so not bad. put a body on Dwight in the Western Conference Finals with your back almost up against elimination again? Like, that was the biggest thing for me. Like, you can hold guys down. You have the ability. Like, we saw this. Denver had out-rebounded the life out of the Lakers in game. Yeah. So this is 100% possible. Jokic didn't do it. And that's the biggest thing for me. He, he had seven boards, but three were offensive. And I believe two of those offensive rebounds came on the same possession. So, like, it's very much a farce for what Nicole. Yeah, and he didn't finish that fight. play either. Yes. It didn't, didn't result in points. Um, you're right, dude. Shades of game three, round one. Shades of yep. whatever it is he does in November every year. Which is fine in November if he's going to be the third, fourth best player on the planet come playoff time. But I this was the last thing I expected. Kind of thought we yeah. were past this. Nine straight games of Jokic, honestly, dude, in my opinion, looking like arguably the best player in the world. Yeah, he's um, on the list for sure. Uh, right, and like in terms of the fluid day-by-day rankings and who was still playing and all that, like nine straight games of that guy. And so I really didn't expect, would you say checked out, passive? I mean, I don't know what that ideal word is. The, there's not an ideal word. He just didn't do enough. That's the way I've been kind of summing this up. And this is the thing, like I was talking, again, when I was talking to Matt Moore last night, he, I brought up the, the point that I think this was Jokic's worst postseason performance. I know yeah. they quit in game three against Utah. I know that happened. I, call, I called them out and called them frauds and wrote a story on it. But this is the thing. Everybody played bad in game three against Utah. Everybody. This was a situation in which the That's Denver point, Nuggets man. win the game in the Western Conference Finals and tie it up against the Lakers if Nikola Jokic just does what he can do at a C-plus level. And they didn't get that from him. And they lost the game largely, in my opinion, because of that. That's so concerning to me. I gave him a C plus in the player grade. So I'll say a B minus level. So I don't look yeah, good, but you're right. Sure. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, yeah, dude, I, I think that's, there's a strong argument to make that. Like, I mean, this guy's been there for them so many times. How many times have they gone to that well? And he's 100%. been exactly who they need him to be. And this time more so than maybe arguably in NBA team history, yeah. they needed him to be that guy. And he wasn't. And I felt like Jamal and Jokic have t- taken turns having each other's back. The yeah. matchups have changed. The defensive game plans have changed game to game, series to series. It's enabled one of these guys to thrive more than the other. And the other ones had to do just enough, had to yeah. break through whatever it is that's holding them from being elite. And like you said, give that B minus B, B plus effort. For Jokic, it literally could have just been stealing up on the boards to have that's Jamal's it. back last night. And he didn't. And, and so, look, I'm not going to drag him all day. Like, Jokic certainly earned the benefit of the doubt. We'll see mm-hmm. how game five looks. But, yeah, if the question is, you know, what was up with getting game four, Jokic did not have the juice, and, and I did not see that coming. I did not either. Um, this is a good opportunity to shift into Jamal Murray's game, though, which, my God, like, I've said this multiple times now. I was so, so, so wrong about Jamal Murray, man. Like, this dude has gone to a whole different world. Oh, you didn't think he was going to be Steph Curry? No. Yeah. <laughs> There's, um, like, two people on earth who have called this, and one works for you and one works for Denver Stiffs. It's Harrison Wind and it's, it's Ryan true. Blackburn. It's the only two. 
I was on a podcast faltered. with Harrison back in the BSN days, and he was like, I really think Jamal is a Steph Curry, Damian Lillard clone. He was, he's been on it, man. And I Listen, never saw man. it. Props yeah. to him. Great, great lesson, by the way, in like, there's all these old, well, it's their fourth season. If you look at this percentage and they shoot from here, you kind of know who they are by now. <laughs> like, no, he was 22 and we did not know who he was. And so I will give, um, I was also on the same train of thought. I was thinking about that Arnovitz article about when the Nuggets hired Tim <laughs> yeah. Connolly. Yeah. Like the worst hire in the league. This team doesn't know what they're doing. Like, look, at the time, they were handing out illegal contract extensions. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> – like, maybe GMs were snickering. four-year Kenneth Fareed on Max. <laughs> cut out for it. But imagine having your name, like, on that byline, you know? Yeah. Like, or that byline. You know what I'm saying. I like, imagine having written that article. Because right now, the Denver Nuggets, that same front office, are the architects of one of the more successful rebuilds in modern history. And my point is this. Um, we all want to bury guys prematurely, and there's just no point in doing so. Yep, especially anybody associated with this Nuggets organization that like yes. comes yes. back from the dead once a week at this point. So I'm with you, man. I am absolutely with you. Um, did you think Jamal Murray would ever reach this level ever? Like in terms of his overall potential, no, like no, no, ceiling. No, no, no. I thought he had a leap in him. Like I thought Jamal could have been good enough alongside Yoke to justify that contract from the perspective of where the Denver Nuggets. Where else is that money going? We're not signing yes. a, a tier one guy. We're, are we drafting someone better than Jamal? Highly unlikely. So um, I always thought a leap was coming. I never saw the leap. And then whatever this is, is even further than that. Yes. Like yes. literally flirting with Michael Jordan numbers in the playoffs. Now I know there's, there's neutral court stuff. There's bubble care. bumps. I but don't he's care. the guy. Yeah. It's a league full of stars. And he's the guy who's been vaulted into all time historic status with his shooting and his, and his scoring output. So no, dude. I, I didn't see it coming. He's been so good, people have stopped talking about Damian Lillard's bubble run. That's how good Jamal has been. Like, well, it's Jamal's done. He's done in the playoffs what they all told us Dame would. Yeah, exactly. He has been yeah, what I'm everybody yeah. pitched Dame as for us going forward, and it's been incredible, man. Um, defensively, mm. he stood LeBron James up in the post four fucking times last night. Jamal it's, Murray, who got cooked by Rodney Hood to the death of the Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs last year. Man, I, I said this on the, on the DNVR Nuggets postgame show last night, but he's literally making it harder for LeBron and Kawhi than he did Derek White just one year, just, well, <laughs> yes! not a year ago, but just one postseason ago. Yes. And um, I mean, I don't know if I've ever, like, he had a great season. He looked like a, a better player, a more mature player, but he didn't take the leap. Like, when the season went on hiatus in March, no one was like – I mean, we were excited to see what Murray would do in the playoffs, but no one was expecting him to come back like a Super Saiyan. It's like 60% better at everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, everything. And it's and that's the thing. It's not just like, oh, he's making his shots now. Like, the ball handling is tighter. Yep. He's, he's shifty now. I've always thought elite guards are shifty, and Jamal mm. never was. Steph, Dame. It's not just north-south speed. It's like – I'm afraid to overreact to any movement or hesitation because your sidestep three, you know, like I, your, your pull-ups are just all nasty. And like, if I, if I commit to anything, I'm going to get diced up here. And so having guys on mental skates, reading that Zach Lowe article about describing he and Jokic as cerebral, as downloading information, learning how to pick you apart. Who would have thought we'd describe this kid in all these ways, dude. It, it's not just that the shots are falling. Every aspect of his game has leveled up. Yep. And to your point, you know, we in the Nuggets media have not done a good enough job about talking about his defensive improvement. 
There just hasn't been time because there's like 17 things that he's improved on that we can talk about. And the other thing that cracks me up about Jamal Murray is how many times in NBA history, I don't even care, let's just go all the way, have players put on 15 pounds of muscle, nobody talked about it, and then it actually was 15 pounds of muscle and it actually impacted. Yes, like it is the most undersold weight gain I have ever seen in my entire time covering the league. He's so strong around the rim. He's also he just visibly jacked. He like looks yeah. awesome now. He's yoked. Kind of looks like an MMA fighter out there. But yeah, man, every single night you see that him being stronger has mattered. And it's really, he said that. And I kind of was like, yeah, we'll see. You know, mm-hmm. we'll well, see that's what you do to everybody who says that they put on 15 pounds of muscle right. in four months. Like it's every off season, everything, every Media single day. day all over again. Yeah, like, it's no, muscle it's, watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that everyone had a break and everyone had either excuses to, to, to focus on something else or time to steal up mentally and show they're committed to the game. And I think we know which approach Jamal took. Yeah. Um, do you want to say anything about the officiating before we move on? Um, just that it happens. And like, I, I think the game five whistle will be a little closer to two and three. I mean, I think you can call a spade a spade, like the officiating in one and in the fourth quarter of last night was really bad. Mm-hmm. But you know what I haven't done in game four is go through every possession and really counted how many beneficiary whistles each team got throughout the game. Um, I would say less than the Denver. <laughs> I would, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. Look, they got, they got yeah. a little jobbed, but they lost the game because of the controllables. And so if I was the head coach, that would be my focus. Um, I think as players, that'll be their focus. And so as an analyst, I don't want to, like, sit here and go, oh, the lead did it again. You know, the, the Nuggets oh, yeah, could have not won that game. Yeah. I would, my bigger analysis regarding calls and all that would be Malone's use of challenges which i thought was horrible last him night. not challenging the Millsap foul when anthony Man, davis turned really his ankle bad. and then and then throwing a challenge away that's, and yes, a timeout that's the thing if you were saving it because well i wanted the timeout or i wanted to save Jokic from getting a six that's fine, fine. but then to use it on that never going to be overturned lebron charge yeah and the ad not only was the ad thing not a foul not even close i think you at least make them watch that back so even if they somehow feel compelled to hold it up Maybe a makeup call is coming your way. But lastly, it was a momentum play. Like the Nuggets yeah. were on a run. The Lakers were tightening up. We could all see it. AD just hurt himself. You challenge that and that play, that call's reverse. Um, yeah. I think the next few minutes go differently. So, And they had a ton Malone of time to challenge it too. That was the thing that drove me crazy is that he was hurt the and replay. there was a TV timeout and you still didn't challenge it. The you had plays going no, on. 100% agree, man. It, the refs it, already looking at it. So I, It blew yeah, my man. mind. It blew my mind. And I think Malone told us all year he likes to save it for the sixth foul thing. Um, yeah. I would have used it on Jokic's fifth, to be honest, because I think when you got to sit your star player in the fourth, you've already done the thing you're afraid of what happens when they fall, foul out. You've taken them out of the game. Yeah. So I, I would have used that challenge if it's only four. Uh, you feel really good about letting Jokic sort of finish out the quarter. So. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> done with officiating. I don't want to talk about act of God referees anymore. I don't, I don't care. Let's okay. get in, I really don't. Let's get into the fan base part of this because one thing that I have, have found fascinating is how quickly Nuggets fans shifted from, God, it's just so good to be here to, what the <laughs> hell? Like, angry. Yeah. And it's so funny to watch. Two uh, rounds in a row now, too, actually. God, I where know. We've gone from, let's just get the moral victories to, like, oh, wow, they can win. And then angry that they don't. So from your perspective, <laughs> how, has, how has the transition been? How are Nuggets fans taking this? And what are they potentially missing? Sure. I mean, I want an important preface. You know, 
for as great as we are at this at DNVR, still running in bubbles and circles here, right? Like yeah. I don't know how the whole fan base feels. Can't of course. speak for for any. You but know, you guys, as DNVR, like this, we, you have created local media and created a community to where fans feel comfortable not only around media at the same bar, but in terms of interacting and opinions. really being real about it. So that's why I ask you. Hundred percent, man. And then they are in the bar, and they are in our mentions, mm-hmm. and we're really talking. So. Um, York and Colfax, go, go check out the DNVR bar. DNVR bar on Colfax. Um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to keep it safe and responsible and adhere to those guidelines, but we're open and uh, we'd appreciate your support. Um, I think fans have a really good perspective on this, man. I, I had, you know, older, like lifelong Nuggets fans tell me that this run has included both the nadirs, like the single most painful moments of Nug life, and the peaks. Yeah. And so you can go 2009, you can go, you know, Dikembe clutching the ball, all that stuff. All time memories are being made in this run. It's a great point. Um, I've had a couple of people tell me that this is their favorite Nuggets team, favorite sports team of all time. Um, when they beat the Clippers, one young gentleman was literally crying in the bathroom. Um, so wow. I think Nuggets fans are, Eric said it really well on the pod last night. Whatever the more whatever the moral victories are, they've already been won. Like yeah. I think if you're a Nuggets fan, this season ends. You go if you really pay attention to the media analysis and the timelines. The respect has been earned. People like your team. People don't think of you as some second round easy out anymore. Yep. And so um, that that's been done. And I think now fans are like, let's just go win the title because yeah. they're this close. And you know, I believe that this team's going to be – I'd be more surprised if they're not back here than if they are going forward. But we know that shit's not linear. We know of it's not guaranteed. Not. There's an easy argument to, be, to make that if you feel like you can beat this Lakers team, which they should, even down mm-hmm. 3-1, you, this is your best chance at a title right now because yeah. um, you can see the path. And, and this stuff reshuffles every summer, every offseason. So I, I think fans are in a good place with it. They're proud of this team. Um, it'll hurt, but they won't, they won't hold it against anyone if they lose, but their eyes are on the big prize now because I've written this and I think this team has proven it. Um, win or lose, this is not your mom or dad's Denver Nuggets. No, this is, these are not slaves to Nug life, um, myths, uh, popular narratives, whatever the local media wants to tell you this team (laughs) in this org is that none of that applies to these guys. They are winners. Maybe they don't win. And it's always easy to bet against a team winning a title. But this is the group, if there ever was one, that could bring a finals or a finals appearance to Denver. And I, th- I think the fans know that, TJ. I think that you're right. Um, it is interesting to see how the expectations have shifted and how, how that has been taken because it's difficult to go from like the scrappy underdog to like wow we belong amongst the top four teams in basketball like that's a gigantic shift for a fan to go through and i was surprised at how seamless it was like they kind of flew right back into the 2019 the 2012 13 feeling of like we're here and they're excited about it and i i don't know how long it'll last or where it goes from here but it's cool to see Nuggets fans buying in the way that they are. And that's something that they deserve because in Colorado, you know this as well as anybody, Broncos come first, getting drunk at Rockies games come second on the rooftop, 
diehard Avs fans come third, and then the, and then the Nuggets are still fourth. That is how this yeah. city has just operated. So for Nuggets fans to get this moment is something that me, as not a Nuggets fan, I'm really happy to see because there 100%. are fan bases who deserve this, and the Nuggets fan base is absolutely one of them. And and this fan base never even gets credit for that, dude. Like we, ESPN does a great job of billing all these like lovable loser fan bases and franchises. Like how much have you heard about the great Cubs fans who? had to endure oh their God. streak and then it won and good for them what a story even the cleveland indians right the browns yeah. everyone was so good baker mayfield's on your tv every sunday like uh every day in the matt stafford and the damn lions it was like you they, couldn't get rid of them right right like these this fan base here comes their moment no one no one talks about the denver nuggets they don't even talk about them as one of the worst orgs in sports which they've been historically not right now yeah. And so that these fans have not gotten any credit for, cause I know them personally. I know yeah. they're real large contingent of this fan base that never went anywhere. Right. Yeah. From own, whatever preceded Oh nine to Oh nine to Earl Boykin. I mean, to, um, to Brian Shaw, excuse me. And, and, and like to now, like they never went anywhere. And so yeah. this payoff is awesome. And like, they're not going to get the cool ESPN. Isn't going to shove the nuggets down your throat the way they did the Cubs or anything like that. Um, so as a local guy, I'm really, really glad to be able to celebrate whatever does or doesn't happen here with these fans because they've earned it, dude. So here's a really simple question. How much fun has this been being a community organization and being able to watch this team, not only for your point of view, which you get to enjoy it because you've been around the Nuggets, because this group of guys are genuinely great guys and it's good to see them succeed, but to watch the fans literally in front of you kind yeah. of shift into this. How much fun has this been? Really quick, I just want to add huge bummer that we haven't been in the can, um, that 100%. the fans haven't been able. Like, I it would be rocking. Can you imagine? Jesus, dude. I um, mean, I don't think you pull off two, three, one comebacks with the normal structure, but <laughs> could you imagine can you being imagine? the Clippers in LA and the Jazz in Utah to win those series? <laughs> but you know, like it, it stinks that fans can sort of build off this experience mm-hmm. together. Um, but dude, it's been the most fun thing. The mo- this is why I'm here, man. I mean, I moved to Denver because. I thought there was a significant chance this experience could go down and I wanted to be a part of it one way or another. I mean, I've never followed a team like this. It's the only team I've ever covered, but I, I've never followed one. I, I've never been around a fan base that has experienced such unexpected highs and lows within the same run. Yeah. Um, I think somehow I got a crash course in what Nug life is all about and why it's different now um, in these, in these playoff games. So this is why I moved to Denver, man. It's been validating. It's been thrilling. And it's like, even if they don't win a title, dude, I'm, my kids are going to hate me because I'm going to tell them about this <laughs> Nuggets team that I covered forever. It is. It does feel like one of those moments. Like these teams don't come around to where they all buy yes. into each other and they have this common belief. Like this is the stuff of movies. Like truly. Like this is the whole we are Marshall thing where like everybody no, no, rallied no. around each other and they were able to have that communal belief to be able to do something truly spectacular. Rudy, all these movies that have been out there for so long. This feels similarly. There's all they're all different events, but it feels that way. And that's just been incredible to be able to be a part of um let me ask you this did you think denver had any chance of going this far in the playoffs any chance yes but i never would have predicted it you know you could have qualified it a thousand ways and i I thought they would lose in the second round all year yeah you actually think everybody was like they hit an la team it's over like that was what we all yeah 
Yeah. Um, Blackburn, I think few months into the hiatus we started messaging each other he really talked me into nuggets being able to make it to the western conference finals he was right um i thought whole year they would lose to the clippers even before i knew that would be the matchup um so no man no and i know they're down 3-1 like i know the lakers are a better team in a tough matchup but just doesn't even like after game two i went you know what dude a title's on the table however unlikely it this isn't even now at 3-1, they can still win this thing, dude. They really can. I agree. I, I wouldn't expect it. Wouldn't put money on it. Um, but I've said that twice now in the playoffs <laughs> and I've been wrong. So, yeah, I mean, they've exceeded all expectations. I think they're ahead of schedule. I really do. Yeah, which is going to be so interesting next year because, like, if they do get through this Lakers team and they overcome three 3-1 deficits and they make it to the finals, it's way too far ahead of schedule. Like, next season is going to be so unbelievably abhorrently frustrating because it's going to be the expectations, expectations. are going to be out of this every universe. Can, can you imagine if they lose to five below 500 teams again? Like I if they lose to the Cavs even. in January and we're going to have to do the whole song and dance. Like guys, they pay one talk. guy $2 million a year extra than they should have. And all of a sudden there's 17 think pieces about how the nuggets are not going to win because it's dead player. Like I'm not ready for all of that. I, I it's truly good. am not. It's going to be tough, but uh, I also think it's going to be fun because I just think <laughs> you're going to see you're going to see national analysts pick the Nuggets to win a title next year. Yeah, um, that's going to be a handful, really I think. weird. You are. Yeah, it's going to be the smart, trendy pick for some guys. I mean, the the Golden State Warriors comparisons that, to be honest, around here we've sort of been tossing out for a couple of years now. Really take. I mean, know oh, the Light Years crew on, on your network has taken that and run with Shots it. Shots Blue Wire. Um, but I also think. Um, I also think the national media, I, yeah. I think, is really starting to understand, like, um, oh, these boys are no joke. Yeah. These boys are not fodder for, for L.A. Uh, myth building, whether it works out that way or not here in this Lakers series. They are, they're here to stay. Yeah. It's the same reason why I'm so sick of hearing that the Nuggets are the team that just kept the Clippers from not being in the Western Conference Finals. Like, Denver belongs here. They and overcame yeah. the most fragile superstar yep. team that I can conceive of, and that's why they are here. So, 100% agree. Um, is this season a resounding success if they lose tom- tomorrow? Hell it yes, is. dude. Hell There's yes. no other way to frame that. The reason I ask is because people need to hear it. Like, people yeah, need James to understand where they're tell at. You know, but, <laughs> like, just fucking mute. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, yeah, it's been a resounding success. There's no doubt about it. There's no Nuggets fan who tried to keep an objective hat on said they're winning the title this year. Some yeah. of you at home are going, no, I did. Well, you weren't being objective. <laughs> I, I know it looks like you might be right, but you were wrong then. Um, so, yeah, man, it's been a success. And I, I think what you wanted to, I believe in something called organizational momentum which is something that prevents the urgency in decision-making from setting in. Mm. Every year under Malone and Connolly, the record has improved until this year, but then the postseason record improved. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, so what I'm getting at is Josh Kroenke has exercised um, an unusual amount of patience in this rebuild. And there's there's going to be no sense of urgency here to start firing people, to start overthinking what the next, we don't skip steps. Well, what's the next big step? Um, it might just be to get better as a group and bring Jeremy Grant back. I don't yeah. think they're going to feel a lot of pressure to change stuff up because of this. Whereas, look, man, dreadfully consequentialist business. If they lose in that Utah series. Yep, I'm happy you're making this point. People are getting fired. People are getting traded. And, and this same team had this inside of them. Um, but you need results to justify patience in this league. 
And, and I think, you know, the ownership has that. And more than that, I think ownership can look at this and say, if we have to go into the tax next year, we should do it. And that's going to be fascinating because Denver just doesn't do it. Like they literally offed Danilo Gallinari, who would have been the perfect small forward for them this year, just to get off of the money. Like that's, we'll see. I mean, I hope hope Tim's in a room like, look, man, I I got rid of Fareed. I got rid of Chandler. I kept you under the tax. I did everything I had to do. And I stayed and didn't go to Washington when I could And I stayed and we got better, man. Like this team can win. Give me the help. I, I like to think TJ that, that Josh in his run here as the, the mm-hmm. primary decision maker has shown some differences, has earned some benefit of the doubt. I think he cares. We'll find out. We'll find My out. concern is not Josh. My concern is where the money originally stems from, which is his father, who is not sure. connected to the team very much. And that's always going to be concerning. But sure, sure. Who cares? Let's not live in that world yet. Let's enjoy this because my God, has this been fun. Uh, Brendan, do you have anything else you wanted to say? Uh, oh, man. usually the answer to that is yes i know (laughs) uh i miss you man this was fun it's been way too long it's been way too long please plug everything for dnvr that you do and the company sure yeah so the bar on colfax um colfax it's not at colfax in york it's not a normal sports bar because we're committed to showing every single denver sports team um with audio you're in there with only fans there's that's a weird way to frame things these days yeah only fans uh, exclusively <laughs> um, i think exclusive might also not exclusive. be the term you're looking for either <laughs> yeah well whatever um it's just look when i first moved here you go to watch a nuggets game and when they're like on one tv in the corner and mm-hmm. no one else watches you're not really trying to yell or cheer or boo like you're, you're kind of feeling self-conscious it's a zoo in the dnvr mm-hmm. man. like be a fan be yourself and uh, get all that good Breckenridge brewery that we have stocked up there check out the dnvr.com really really proud of the work um our team has done there I mean, like, I'm not even really talking about myself. I work with Adam Mars and Harrison Wind. Like, I, I feel like Chris Bosch on the Miami Heat. Like, I just got to not mess up and we'll be good. Uh, those guys are awesome. And make threes, man. <laughs> yeah. Try to play D and um, we'll see. Try not to get yelled at. But I, I think we're <laughs> traded. Um, and then follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Nuggets. Not a traditional um, media outlets Twitter account. We have a lot of fun with it. And somehow no one's tried to cancel us yet we'll see how this goes but hey all i gotta say is that truly you don't see local media flourish like dnvr is flourish and not only have they gone this big this quickly they did it during a pandemic there is clearly something working here go check out what they're doing support all the work that they are doing and please go check it out go to the bar i'm gonna be there drunk whenever things are safe again and i'm sure brendan will be as well but until next time, this has been a lot of fun, Brendan, and I hope that you're doing well, my guy. Let's do, let's do it more, man. We still work in the same market. We can I know, but I feel like everyone's so far away. But yes, we will definitely do this again very, very soon. But thank you, Bye, man. Brother. Talk to you soon. is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still get in on the action at bet online 
Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all of the great sign up bonuses, including the one we have here at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That is when you can use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you guys again for sticking around, for listening to the show, for subscribing, for leaving a five-star review, for rating it, for sharing it on social media, for telling your friends about it, all of the above. It has been so awesome to see this podcast grow. This is actually the 201st episode, so we are now over 200 episodes of this podcast existence, and that has just been so much fun to be a part of, and I thank you guys for allowing me to help bring you on this path with me, because it's been incredible to watch this Nuggets team grow up really in front of our eyes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Also thank you to Indeed. Also thank you to um, BetOnline.ag. Thank you to the Blue Wire Podcast Network for allowing me to have this platform. And thank you to all of the listeners who have made this show what it is. Additional thanks have to go to Brendan Vote of DNVR Sports for stopping by and having the conversation with me because really this doesn't exist without him. So all of these things, all of the conversations we get to have come down to so many different people and i truly feel blessed to be a part of it so thank you all we're going to be back again after game five and everything after it to break down this denver nuggets team and it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure you stick around make sure you're you're subscribed to the rocky mountain hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and we're going to be back very shortly keep wearing a mask remember that black lives always matter and we'll be back in a little bit with a new podcast after game five